Welcome to C3 Wellington. We're a community on a mission to live, love and lead like Jesus. For more information about C3 Wellington and to find out about upcoming events and services, visit our website c3wellington.com. We're so glad you're joining us for this message. We pray it impacts you today. We're into week number two of Arrows and if you're taking notes this morning and I highly encourage that you do, Week two is called Plant Your Feet. Plant Your Feet. This is from an archery website that I found talking about archery stance, how you stand. Archers spend a lot of time working on perfecting their form, but many times they forget a very important aspect, their stance, stability and balance. If you look down the line at a World Cup or any tournament with top archers, you will notice they have good balance, and they appear almost anchored to the ground as they shoot each shot. This is one area that separates the average from the great, especially in windy conditions. Huh, everyone go, huh. Hmm, your stance, where you place your feet when shooting is the foundation for your shot. Your stance must be solid and consistent arrow to arrow. Remember your stance not only affects foot position, but also your balance and centre of gravity. By making your foundation solid, you ensure a more stable platform for strong shots. If your body weight is properly distributed, your feet should give you the sensation of being well planted. Come on, can everyone say well planted? Firmly on the ground. Come on, hitting the bullseye starts with your feet. Your stance is the foundation of your shot. Those accustomed to hitting the bullseye do so because they are anchored to the ground. They create a habit. They found a rhythm. They hit the target because they were well planted. They hit the target because they were well planted. Psalm 92 verses 12 to 14 says this. The righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God and they still bear fruit in old age. They are evergreen, full of sap. Come on, have I got some empty nesters here this morning? Come on, God is saying that you you are gonna be fruitful right up into the grave. God wants you to be fruitful. There's no retirement from the kingdom of heaven. We need you in the game. But come on, those that are planted in the house of God are like a palm tree. Palm tree grows straight, it's fruit at its top, and as it grows higher, it bears more fruit. And the cedar of Lebanon is the most magnificent, majestic tree. John Bevere, who wrote many books uh, and an international speaker and author, he wrote this on the scripture. And bear with me, it's rather lengthy, but I think it's poignant this morning. John says, remaining where God has placed us is vital to our success. It is those who are planted in God's house who will flourish. Let's look further into this sometimes challenging dynamic. With a fruit tree, excuse me, when a fruit tree is put in the ground, it has, it has to face rainstorms, hot sun and wind. The harshness of the elements cause it to seek another source of life and its roots go deeper underground. 
it will one day come to the point that even in the greatest of windstorms, they, will, they cannot affect its ability to produce fruit. This is what Psalm 1 speaks of. When Psalm 1, it says in verse 3, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. They bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he shall does shall prosper. A believer who chooses to delight in the Word of God in the midst of adversity will avoid offence. Next time, excuse me, that person will be like a tree whose roots search deep to where the Spirit provides strength and nourishment. They will draw from the well of God's deep, excuse me, they will draw from the well of God deep within their spirit and adversity will become the catalyst for bearing fruit. I'm going to say it again. Adversity will become the catalyst for bearing fruit, not the catalyst to offence. But once you leave the place God has chosen for you, your root system begins to dwarf. The next time you face difficulty, it will be easier for you to flee adversity. You will have been careful not to root yourself too deeply. This is how you become a spiritual vagabond, wandering from place to place, suspicious and afraid that others will mistreat you. Psalm 18 verse one says that a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and he rages against all wise judgment. God never created us to live separately and independently of each other. He likes it when his children care for and nurture each other. I know as a parent, I love it when my kids just get on. I don't have to smack their heads together. <laughs> they just get on. And you, you know when it goes quiet, and you think, uh-oh, there's trouble brewing because the kids have gone quiet and you just, you're suspicious and you walk in and they're just playing so lovely and you like want to back out, just don't disturb that. That is beautiful. I mean, God loves it when His kids get on. He wants us to be active members of His family and to get our life from Him. I'm not talking here, John says, about seasons in which God calls individuals apart to equip and to refresh them. I'm describing those who have imprisoned themselves. They protect themselves through isolation, feeling safe in the controlled environment they set up for themselves. I wanna start this message about getting planted, addressing what I would say is an epidemic in church culture and Christian culture today. And, and that is those people that love God, but have carried or born, born wounds somewhere along the journey of church life, something's happened and it's pulled them from fellowship. They love God, but they are distant from a community of faith. They're not planted in the house of God. I am not here to condemn. I am not here to judge. My heart breaks. My heart breaks for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are out there and feel like this is not a safe place. God, would you make this place a safe place, a haven for the wounded, a haven for those people that carry the wounds. Come on, we're not perfect people. There's no perfect church, no perfect person. The Scripture in Proverbs said, when there's no oxen, the manger is clean. But much work gets done by the strength of the ox. If you want to go, if you want to be a church on mission, if you want to be a people going somewhere, it's going to be messy. But if we can sustain, if we can push through, if we can put our anchor down, if we can hold, then God will help our roots go deep so that the love of God and the purposes of God will sustain us even against adversity and we will bear fruit. And I believe there's a healing that God wants to do 
today. And I believe there's a healing movement that God wants to bring and God bring it through C3 Wellington where He restores people wounded back to the community of faith. We're not here to add weight to the already weighty. Um, Come on, offence is a trap that takes out so many Christians. John Bevere, who we just read, he wrote the book, The Bait of Satan. Has anyone read the book, The Bait of Satan? If you want to, we own a couple of copies, I believe, and you're welcome to borrow it. It's a fantastic book, a challenging book, but it's it's a book about this very crucial topic. Let me read you the synopsis to The Bait of Satan. Escape the enemy's deadly trap. The bait of Satan exposes one of the most deceptive snares Satan uses to get believers out of the will of God's offence. Most people who are ensnared by the bait of Satan don't even realise it. Don't be fooled. You will encounter offence. And it's up to you how it will affect your relationship with God. Your response will determine your future. If offence is handled correctly, you will become stronger rather than bitter. It's a phenomenal book. Come on, the devil's plan is to keep you from your purpose. Your purpose requires your people. If you can't keep keep you from relationship with God, if you can't keep you from believing in God, He will keep you from God's people and He will render your life ineffective because what's on your life, I need. What's on my life, you need. The Bible says that we're a body connected. So if you can take out the elbow, (laughs) and this is my shooting shot, this is how I'm gonna aim, how am I gonna do that if I can't bend my arm? (laughs) Come on, we gotta see it as, we gotta see it for what it is. It is a ploy of the enemy to take you out of the purpose of God for your life and for mine. But I'm here to tell you today that the devil is not gonna win on our watch. Come on, C3 Wellington, the devil is not gonna win on our watch. We're gonna love and lavish and support and pray and believe and walk with. In Galatians 6.1, which I love that scripture, if you find your brother has stumbled, gently lift them up with your shoulder. Lest you be the one that falls down and no one's there to help you up. We're gonna be a Galatians 6.1 church. Can I get an amen? Now I'm passionate about this. And look, look, I love Mark Kelsey, who's the C3 Church Global uh, Leader for Growth. He's amazing. He's just walked through a prostate cancer battle with grace and dignity. He's got a good report. Thank you, Jesus. I just, man, I just love this family so much. And, and Mark Kelsey preaches this amazing message called Doors and Levels, or Levels and Doors. And he says that God wants to elevate you to another level. He wants to take you up. He wants to strengthen the person for the call on your life. Just like Joseph had to go through the, the, the he had to go through the hole and be taken into slavery and then be basically because of his integrity thrown in prison. He went through the prison to the palace. Come on, it wasn't a barrier. It was, a pl- it was the way that God brought him through and, and humbled him and prepared him to be second in command of all of Egypt for God's plan on his, his life. And so there are doors that God is bringing you up to to test you. And one of the doors God will always ask you to walk through is the door of offence. Will you lay, will you be humble to go, I, I, that, that was wrong. That was no good. That shouldn't have happened. But I trust you, God. And we're going to get through. I'm not running. I'm staying. I'm pushing through. 
The other one is a door of submission. I mean, that's a big one. If God, wa- God will never give influence to an unsubmitted heart. God wants you to su- be submissive, to be meek. Meek is not weak. The, the, the best definition of meek is the war horse trained so well, so equipped for battle that it'll charge into the spears at the will of the rider, even at the cost of its own life, just completely surrendered to the rider. That is not weak. That is, that is strong, but that is giving over to the rider. Come on, God wants you to have a submitted heart and wants you to be able to trust and let God lead you. And sometimes He'll ask you to follow people that are imperfect and submit. I don't stand here without going through that door. I could get into that story. Ask me, ask me out for a coffee and I'll tell you my submission story. I got stood down from ministry. I got benched. For a year, I, I led the worship team. I led the, and then for a year, I, I was sat at the back because my heart was wrong and, and my leaders stood me down. But I stayed. It's hard, man. It's humbling. But man, I'm so thankful for that moment and what God did in my life through that. Anyway, this isn't about submission, but we'll move on. Come on, let's plant your feet. Planting speaks of commitment. If you're not planted, you won't blossom and you won't bud. Come on, no roots, no fruits. Write that one down. Psalm 26 verses eight to 12 says this, and this is David. King David, O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground in the great assembly. I will bless the Lord. In the great assembly, in the house of God, it's level ground for your life. It's a place where there is, there's a, there's a, Jesus says it's a rock. It's a rock you can build your life upon that won't be shaken. Yes, He's talking about the revelation of His Word. Yes, He's talking about truth and theology and Scripture. But come on, this is a place where if you get anchored, then when things come against your life, you, look, I love that, how Shelterbow works, man. It protects the trees on the other side. You can get amongst some play, people here that'll help and protect you and help you flourish. A couple of points before we close. Number one, go further together. I'm gonna sell you on the idea here this morning. (laughs) Come on, there is a reason why geese fly in a V formation. Scientific research has discovered that as the birds flap its wings, it creates an updraft for the bird immediately behind it. By flying in a V formation, the whole flock adds at least 71%. That's that's, that's accurate science right there. Not 70, not 72, (laughs) 71%, all right? Greater flying range than if a bird flew alone. People who share a common direction and a sense of community get where they are going more quickly and easily because they are travelling on one another's thrust. When a goose falls out of formation, it suddenly feels the drag and resistance of trying to go it alone. Come on, let's not go it alone. Let's go together. We'll go further together. Let me give you another pitch. I'm being planted in the house of God. Increased effectiveness together. 
And in Midwestern fair in the US, they held, they held an old fashioned uh, horse pull. That's, it's an event where they put various weights on a sled and they see how much a horse can pull. Thousands of pounds we're talking about here, people. The grand champion horse in the sled pulling competition was able to pull four and a half thousand pounds. And I just, I couldn't be bothered getting metric on us. So let's just, it's pounds, people. It's American. All right. Four and a half thousand pounds. Let's call that 2,000 kilograms. The runner up pulled 4,400. So, like, gutting to be second by 100 pounds, right? But not a bad effort. Some of the men wondered what would happen if they were to strap the two horses together and see how much they can pull collectively. Together they pulled almost 9,000 pounds. Sorry, separately they pulled almost 9,000 pounds. When they hitched them together and they worked together, those same two horses pulled over 12,000 pounds. Come on, the Scripture says one can put 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000. Come on, when we are together, it doesn't just create addition, togetherness creates multiplication. And you see this in the book of Acts. Let me, let me read you some highlights of Acts chapter 2. I love the togethers because togetherness is so important. Okay, Acts 2 verse 1. They were all together in one place. This is the birth of the church. This is a church exploding. After Jesus leaves and the disciples wait for the Holy Spirit to arrive, and then all of a sudden He does. It's a crazy scene. 3,000, Peter preaches a gospel message that 3,000 men get saved, the church is birthed. And in the same very chapter, it gives us a, a sort of a blow-by-blow blow account of the early church, okay? So Acts 2 verses 1, they were all together in one place. Acts 2 verse 5, and at the sound of the multitude came together. Acts 2 verse 14, Peter standing with the 11. There was a togetherness there. Acts 2 verse 41, so they received His Word and were baptised, and 3,000 souls were added that day. It's amazing what togetherness can do. Acts 2 verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the Word. Fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. They were devoted to togetherness. Acts 2.44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Acts 2.46, and day by day, attending the temple and breaking bread in their homes. I mean, we struggle one Sunday a week. You know, that the average church attendance now is about one in three Sundays for committed members of churches. One in three. How are you going to run in the call of God on your life? Come on, how are you going to run in the call of God on your life? Ooh, that, was a, that, was, that was aggressive. Okay. <laughs> and I love this, Acts 2 verse 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who have been saved. Do you see the correlation between day by day being together and day by day God adding to their number? There's amazing something that happens when we have togetherness. And I love it because I don't know if it was Ray or Caleb, but one of these clever cats saw day by day and they saw 247 and they thought, hey, 24-7. And I'm like, you guys are cleverer than I am, that's for sure. Come on, 24-7, God creates multiplication. Come on, out of our togetherness, our togetherness increases our effectiveness. Our togetherness increases our effectiveness. We want to thrive together. 
from Palmer's Garden World's website. Come on, I'm gonna get some gardening. Who wants some gardening metaphors today? Come on. <laughs> I even went on to Palmer's Garden World's website for you people. Okay, come on. This is from their website. Companion planting is the grouping of plants together in a combination that is beneficial to themselves and the other plants around them. Companion planting can help repel unwanted insects or attract beneficial insects, nourish the soil, help control diseases, and genuinely improves the growing conditions for both plants. Hmm. You know the definition of a companion? A person one spends a lot of time with and who one travels with. A person that you spend a lot of time with and you travel with, you're on a mission together, you're going somewhere together. Companionship. Can I read you Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 6? I know a lot, big chunk from the message. It says this. I want you to get out there and walk, Paul says. You better yet run. On the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. Come on, there's a cry of our hearts. Says, we don't want you to go down a path that goes to nowhere. The bow is your choice. The bow is your habits. The bow is your lifestyle. We don't want you going down a path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Did you hear that this morning? You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly, Paul says. We were designed and called to travel on the same road in the same direction. So stay together. When you have a companion, it's beneficial. Companionship will benefit your life. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of, is the habit of some, but encouraging one another as all the more you see the day drawing near. 2 Timothy 1, 6 to 7. For this reason, I remind you, Paul says to his young apprentice, Timothy, fan the flames on your life. Stir up the gift of God on your life that came to you through the laying on of hands. By the what, the laying on of hands. You've got to be pretty close to lay hands. I know that's a massive revelation, right? Come on, fan into flame the gift of God on your life. Lay on one another, uh, hands implies closeness. I just said that. Come on, embers create members. <laughs> Come on, not organisational members. Did you hear me? Not organisational members, family members. It's a difference. We're not here to grow an organisation. We're not here to grow a family. We're here to grow a community. We're an organism, not an organisation. But we can spark each other, can't we? Something happens when we come together. This morning, something happened. That wouldn't have happened if we weren't together. With Pastor Beck's leading us in prayer this morning, something was happening. The Holy Spirit dwells when we're together in a tangible and real way. God manifests Himself. He loves the togetherness of His family. The Holy Spirit dwells in unity and our togetherness. In this environment, lives can be ch changed and transformed. Sparks fly and fires ignite. 
Come on, if you want to hit the bullseye, plant your feet. If you want to hit the bullseye, plant your feet. If you want to live the life God intended for you, your best life, get planted in the house of God. Take a stand. Put your roots down. 